Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody today? Praise the Lord. As you can see, we are kicking off the Christmas season today, and we are super excited. It's our favorite time of year because Jesus was born. Amen. That's worth celebrating. That is worth making a great big deal over. We cannot ever under celebrate Jesus. Amen. Well, you see the, uh, uh, the decorations are all up. Uh, Julie came in, yes, and uh, she had some help from Melissa and Nikki and some others, so they came in, and we just want to thank them for giving some time to do that. Hallelujah. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together today. We're going to start the service off like we always do, by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America, because we do believe that America is coming to Jesus. Who believes that this morning? Amen. And uh, I'm going to have Mrs. Pastor come up also because she's going to pray, lead us in a prayer here in just a second uh, also for uh, uh, some other big news for the United States. But let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, Justice and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord some praise. Now, you can remain standing. I'm going to let uh, Mrs. Pastor, my mama, uh, lead us in another prayer here. Okay. um, On December 1st, one of the most important things is going to happen in the United States of America that's probably happened in maybe our entire lifetime. Um, On December the 1st, Jay Sekulow is going to be hearing the first Supreme Court case for the reversal of Roe v. Wade on December 1st. Amen. Now, it's under the name of some state versus something or other, but it's the very first step. Now, when Roe v. Wade was instituted too long ago, back in the 60s, 70s, there was a clause in there that said, the, the thing's about this big, I tried to find it one time and I thought I'm not looking through that amount of pages to, you know, to find this statement, but there's a clause in there that says that at any time science finds out things different about an unborn child, that this can be changed. So back then they couldn't tell the heartbeat of a child, now they can. They, you can look at, uh, you know, these... Uh, what do you call those things? Uh, ultrasounds, and you can see the baby moving, sucking their thumb, kicking, and everything else. And, and they also have proven that babies can feel pain. And so there's been a blight over the United States of America because of this, because God will not put up with people murdering the unborn. And so that's why things haven't been well in America over the past decades. But this is our opportunity. Now, if you pray in tongues, I want you to pray in tongues now and pray in tongues loud. I'll pray in English. I'll cover in English what I know to pray in English. But when you're praying in the spirit, praying in your your prayer language, you're covering the unknown. 
So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray about this right now in preparation. We've been praying about it in warfare prayer. But I want our church, High Desert Word Center, to be aware of what is going on in this most vital, vital issue in our nation in Jesus' name, okay? So if you pray in tongues, do it now, and I'll be praying in English. Father, we come before you tonight, uh, this morning, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I lift up Jay Seculo, Father, first of all, and his legal team. Father, I thank you, Lord, that he is the best in the nation. This is not the first time he's argued a case before the Supreme Court, and he usually always wins. Father, I thank you, Lord, that they are equipped with all the information, the medical information that they need. They're equipped with the videos. They're equipped with everything that they need to go before the Supreme Court of the United States and to stop the murder of the unborn in our nation. Father, I lift up each and every one of those nine justices in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for those who are pro-life on that team. But, Father, I lift up those who have been for abortion. I lift them up to you, Father, in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, for you to visit them in the night watches. I pray for you to speak to their hearts, to speak to their spirits, Father God, that they don't make a political thing out of this, but that they make a, a, a life, 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 issue out of this, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord, that thy perfect will will be done, and your will is for this, this murder of the unborn to stop, for this selling of baby body parts to stop. We bind that foul spirit of greed in the name of Jesus, which is one of the root causes. We bind greed in Jesus' name, and we say that, 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 that making money off of the abortions and the murder of the unborn the selling of body parts stops in this nation in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we, the believers, are taking back the United States of America for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ because this nation was established because of you, Father. And, Lord, we're standing in the gap. And, Father, we hear, you hear our cries this morning. You hear the cries of believers across this nation in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your mighty presence being overpowering in the Supreme Court this week on December 1st, Father, in Jesus' name. Father, we just give you all the praise and all the glory, Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus. And, Father, we just pray for forgiveness, Lord, for allowing this to go on so long in our nation, Father. And we just thank you, Father God, for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness forevermore. In Jesus' name, Father, amen. Thank you, Lord. Yes, hallelujah. We're going to see good news in this situation in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, while you're standing up this morning, we're going to take a few minutes to go and do our meet and greet time. So this is your chance to say hey to your friends because you're not going to talk during the service, right? No. Okay. Maybe you are. But <laughs> praise God. Go give someone a hug or a handshake. And if you don't want one, just wave. Come on. to the
this morning. So if I go every which way, just try to pay attention to whatever's up there. Um, so we have been asked several times, are we doing an outreach this Christmas? Are we doing anything this Christmas? Well, of course we are. We're just late. Okay. So, (laughs) so here's the information. So we are going to be doing a toy drive for on the rise foster agency. We need brand new toys that are unwrapped, um, from all the way from baby, all the way up to teens and we need them by December 13th, okay? So the last Sunday to drop off is December 12th. So that's like real quick, okay? So brand new toys from baby to teenagers, okay? And the teenagers always get forgotten, okay? So you know I'm going to tell you, you can buy that baby toy, but get yourself something for teenagers, okay? And it's okay. You can Pinterest it or Google it or ask one of the teenagers. It's okay. So make sure that you bring something with you and we're going to bless all those kids. Yes, pastor. Pastor Dave says, yes. 
Okay, so if you're going to do that, then you need to mark plainly on your envelope on the rise. Okay, so if you're giving online, memo section on the rise. If you're giving on an envelope, write it plainly on the rise. Okay, cool. And then the rest of y'all bring toys, okay? Okay. All right, then um, the Christmas came early party is tonight. Okay, I'm really excited about that. So bring cookies. Yes, it's okay if you bought them. I did. I'm, I'm going to go longer. Forgive me. I can make from scratch like cakes and cheesecakes. I can cook real well. I'm bad at cookies. It's impossible, okay? But I really worked really hard, and they turned out really good. So I really actually made cookies this year. Praise the Lord. So that means it's okay for you to buy cookies because I made them this year and I normally buy them. So come tonight, come have some cookies, drinks are provided, and make sure you bring adults. It's a $5 gift or under $5. And then kids, it's a $1 gift. So Dollar Tree it up, wrap it up, and we'll come have a great time together tonight and celebrate Jesus. It'll be great. And then after that is men's meeting this Saturday, 9 a.m., Yeah, man. Thank you, Thomas. Thomas is the only one in the back. Thank you for the drums. Okay, men's meeting, 9 a.m. this Saturday. And I don't know if you'll have Christmassy things or not. That's up to you men. You know, if you wear your ugly sweaters, that's on you. Okay, and then women's meeting is coming. Come on up, Miss Pastor. This is the best one of the year, okay? Thank you. So women's meeting is always the second Friday night of the month. So you can just mark your calendars for that. But I'm really excited about the December Christmas meeting. It's called, the theme is Good Tidings, which is the theme for the year uh, that Pastor Dave has picked out for our Christmas season. So it's Good Tidings, uh, Friday night, second Friday night of the month. Don't show up this Friday. Nobody's going to be here. Second Friday night of the month, December the 11th, 630 in Victory. Uh, the food theme for pitching is soup and salad. We're going to charge a ticket price this year so that we can do some special things. So it's $3 a person, whether you're an adult or whether you're a child. And so you need to sign up because we're going to have a certain amount of things that we're going to be giving out. And if you sign up late, then you may not get one, okay? So Susan will be at the info booth after the service today to collect your money. She'll give you the tickets and to sign you up. So you need to sign up if you're coming and whoever it is you're bringing because we have to have a head count. This is coming up super quick. So make sure that you do that. And I've got a gift for everybody that comes as long as I know you're coming. And there will also be gift drawings. So we're going to have a really good time. Amen. Okay, so all these things are going on your calendars, right? Right? No one's writing. I can see you. So. Men's meeting, women's meeting, and then we have two major, major Christmas services that I want you here for. They're very, very, very important. So December 19th is going to be our big family Christmas, just like we did Thanksgiving. We're going to have a very big family Christmas dinner, and that's the children's program as well. So bring your friends, bring your neighbors, bring your enemies. We'll take them. We'll get them saved. It'll be fine. So come for Christmas, December 19th, the 10 a.m. service, and then... It's very important that you, as a believer, remember that Christmas is fun, but it's about Jesus. So on Christmas Eve, we go to church. It's what believers do, okay? 
Now, I get it if you're working Christmas Eve, okay, we'll give you a pass. Now, you shouldn't be working Christmas Eve, but we'll give you a pass. Now, if you're not working Christmas Eve, you bring your family in these doors, and we'll all celebrate Jesus together, and then you can go home and party. Okay, so Christmas Eve service is going to be Friday, December 24th at 6 o'clock. And we all get in here together, wear your Christmas stuff together. Um, Some families do their ugly sweater theme, and some families dress like real fancy, and then some families wear their sweats. And we'll take it in any which way. Just make sure you're here December 24th at 6 o'clock. Cool? Okay, praise the Lord. All right, now what time is it? Thank you, all three of you. Amen. Praise the Lord. It is happy time. And you're like, well, what's that all about? God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. And when you realize that everything you have comes from the Lord anyway, it makes you really happy to be a giver. All right. We're going to open our Bibles this morning to Malachi chapter three, Malachi chapter three. Amen. I'm in the new King James here, Malachi chapter three. And we're going to look at a couple of verses here uh, regarding tithes and offerings. And we know that I want to be obedient to God in every part of his word. I don't want to hold back in any area. And that includes the area of finances. And so look at this, Malachi chapter 3, looking at verses 8 through 10. It says, will a man rob God? Well, hey, tell you what, I don't want to rob anybody, but if there's somebody I really don't want to rob, it's God. Come on. I don't want to be a robber. It says, but you've robbed me. You say, hey, in what way have we robbed you? And God says, in tithes and offerings. And then it says, you're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Now check this out, verse 10. Here's where the rubber meets the road. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Well, what's that? That's the temple. That's the, that's the church. That there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. What happens when we tithe? If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Amen. When the windows of heaven are opened up on your life, you don't only have enough for you and your family, you've got enough to bless other people with. And that's the will of God for you as a Christian right now, not just for you to barely squeak by and like, oh gosh, we made rent one more month. Praise God. We, we barely squeezed through, but we did. That's not what the father wants for his children. The father wants you to be able to take care of all of your bills, all of your needs, all of your desires, and then be able to help other people out too. Amen. And how does that happen? It happens when we are obedient to his word. When we bring the tithe into the storehouse, he opens up the windows of heaven and he puts a blessing on your life. Amen. Who wants the blessing of God on your life this morning? Yeah. I want God's blessing on my finances, on my marriage, on my kids, on my church, on every part of my life. I want the blessing of God. And the only way to do that is to do things his way. Amen. All right. So that's what I'm going to say about the regular tithes and offerings today. But today is also a special day because yesterday was Pastor and Mrs. Pastor's 39th wedding anniversary. Yes. 39 years, and I had to text them yesterday and say, 
thank you for getting married because I wouldn't be here right now. So I, you know, I'm really glad they got married back then. You know, it worked, it really worked out for me in a really great way. But at the same time, we want to honor them today by blessing them on their anniversary. And so we're going to take a love offering for them this morning and uh, show them how much we uh, appreciate, how much we respect and how thankful we are for their commitment for their dedication to not only stick together, but to stick with Jesus, stick with this church, stick with all of us. Because, hey, some of us haven't been that easy to deal with sometimes. Raise your hand if it's you. Come on. All right. Thank you. All right. (laughs) I'm kidding. But, hey, the hands went up. The hands went up. All right. So this morning, if you're going to give into this offering for them, um, you could go ahead and... uh, Grab an envelope and you will just, if you're going to make out a check, just make it out to Bernie or Janice samples straight to them. We'll do it that way. If you're giving online, you could put it under the guest speaker tab and we'll get it over to them. But we're going to look at a verse this morning, Philippians chapter three. I'm going to look at Philippians chapter three here. Amen. And if you need an envelope, raise your hand. They will get one to you. And then when we collect it, you can put the offering for them in this bucket that Walter's going to be holding down here. So Philippians chapter three. And I want to look here at something the Apostle Paul said, because uh, if, really, if there's one really uh, important reason that uh, we come to church, is as if I needed a better reason, as if I needed another one, because I've got plenty of them. But one really important reason for being in church and around the things of God is that you can follow the example of godly people. And who realizes that, hey... We need some godly examples in our nation and in our society right now. Amen. We've got plenty of people showing us how to do it the wrong way. I think about all these incredible, talented celebrities that people look up to. I personally don't look up to nearly any celebrity other than Chuck Norris. I look up to him because he can kick your booty. But at the same time, we look at all these celebrities like, wow, she can sing. Wow, he can act. Wow, he can dunk a basketball. But you know what the problem is? So many of them, they may be able to do all that, but they don't know how to hold a family together. They don't know how to keep a marriage intact. They don't know how to turn to God when things are difficult. And so I don't need the example of any of those famous millionaires and stuff. I need the example of godly Christians, godly people that know how to fight the good fight of faith, people that know how to keep a marriage together, know how to raise kids in the ways of God. And so I am thankful and I am very, very grateful for that. So look at this, Philippians chapter three, I'm going to look here in verse 17. The apostle Paul said this, he said, brethren, join in following my example. Well, that sounds kind of conceited. No, no, that's not conceited. He said, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. And so what's he saying right there? He's like, hey, it's okay to look at my life. It's okay. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together, but I am going to be a godly example for you to follow. And as uh, as I'm just, you know, uh, as we're honoring Pastor and Mrs. Pastor this morning, I can say this much. I've been there for uh, 36 of those 39 years, and I know that there's been there's been good times, there's been difficult times, there's been in-between times, but praise God, they've given me, they've given us an example of how to fight through the difficult times, how to celebrate the good times, how to not ever give up no matter how hard it is, and to stick together with Jesus as the foundation in your marriage no matter what. 
And so this morning, can we stand up together? I want to honor them and thank them, amen, for being faithful to Jesus and being faithful to each other and faithful to our church. Can we give them a round of applause this morning? Amen. Amen. I am grateful and I am thankful. Thank you for not giving up. Thank you for sticking with it. All right. And so if you're going to give into uh, the offering for them, you can put it, Walter, I'll have you hold this uh, bucket for the anniversary offering. Everything else can go in to these ones over here and then uh, we'll go ahead and move on. So let's go ahead and speak some words of faith over our giving this morning. And then we're going to get into some praise and worship. Who's ready to praise the Lord today? Amen. I've been waiting all week long for this. I'm excited. Let's do this. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. As always, feel free to join us at the altar as we sing together. There's one thing I'm asking, one thing I'm needing, a moment that's passing is not what I'm seeking. I can see air breathing, I want your presence, feet on the earth, a heart full of heaven, till for you completely consumes me. I can't get in. Can't get enough of you. Your fire is burning right through me. I can't get enough. Can't get enough of you. Jason, who you are, I can see air breathing. I want your presence, feet on the earth. A heart full of heaven, zeal for you completely consumes me. I can't get enough, can't get enough of you. Your fire is burning right through me. I can't get enough, can't get enough of you. Chasing who you are, I can see air from breathing. 
I want your presence feet on the earth, a heart full of heaven's ill for you. Completely consumes me. I can't get it, can't get enough of you. Your fire is burning right through me. I can't get it, can't get enough of you. Every beat is yours, you can have it all, take over like only you can. All I'm reaching for, you and nothing more, take over like only you can. Every beat is yours, you can have it all, take over like only you can. All I'm reaching for, you and nothing more, take over like only you can. Zeal for you completely consumes me. I can't get in, can't get enough of you. Your fire is burning right through me. I can't get in, can't get enough of you. Take over like only you can. All I'm reaching for, you and nothing more. Take over like only you can. Every beat is yours, you can have it all. Take over like only you can. All I'm reaching for, you and nothing more. Take over like only you
this scripture this weekend, Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all of your ways, and he will direct your path. Amen. God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant and faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven you'll do just what you said. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I remain steadfast. And let my heart know when you speak a word, it will come to. your hand. He has been faithful to you. Just remember all the times that he's been there for you, rescued you from your troubles. God, from age to age, though the earth may pass away, your word remains the same. History can prove there's nothing you won't do. Your faithful and true. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to. Remains the same. 
Jesus. We put our faith in you, Lord. Kill me. 
want to share a couple of things with you this morning. Pastor and I were married on November the 11th, or I mean November the 27th of 1982. Joshua, God's mercy to us because of his awesome musical ability, etc., was born on November the 5th, 1983. He was the firstborn of the little bat, the second batch. We got married kind of on, what, at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. We ate dinner, and we headed straight to South Bend, Indiana, from where we lived in near Indianapolis. And it was a three-and-a-half-hour drive. Why did we go to South Bend, Indiana? Yeah, we went there because a man named Dr. Lester Summerall, one of the great generals of faith back in those days, had uh, a lot of Brother Hagen people, a lot of people were up there. There were generals. And we knew that uh, spirit, you can sit out if you want to, we share a couple of things this pastor built to share. <laughs> but uh, may, may, maybe this will help some of you in your spiritual priorities. Because, you know, I was thinking, as Mrs. Pastor said, she felt we ought to be sharing some things. Well, number one, uh, when, when I got born again in 1980, I was, a single, I was a single dad, and I didn't have any desire for any kind of wife or anything like that. I just was happy loving Jesus because I found out when I found Jesus was alive, and I met the Son of God, it totally transformed my life. Nothing else mattered to natural things. And so anyway, in, in uh, the fall of 1981, I started desiring to have a, have a wife. And so my prayer was, Jesus, my number one thing, and all I'm praying about my wife is that she loved you as she had your first in her life. And I said these words. I said, I don't care if she's, if she's fat or she's skinny. I don't care if she's tall or she's short. I don't care if she's black or she's white. Number one thing is, Jesus, you've got to be first in her life. That's the way that he sent my wife. He, was, he sent my wife to me in uh, November 27, 1982. We got married. And because, because uh, Jesus was first in our life, we knew that a principle I learned a long time ago that I preach here all the time, the spiritual always determines the natural good or bad. And so we got we got married. Uh, we went on a honeymoon, and we, as she said, we headed straight to South Bend, Indiana because we're having a camp meeting that week services all day long with generals of faith. And we knew that we were called to the ministry of Jesus Christ. And so I know spiritual laws, and one of them that begins the book, book of Deuteronomy says Moses laid hands on Joshua. And Joshua received the same anointing the same gifting that Moses had because he laid hands on him. And then in the New Testament, I read that Paul laid hands on Timothy. And Timothy got spiritual impartation from Paul so that Timothy could do what Paul did because that anointing was passionately laid on the hands. And so we got straight to South Bend. And on Sunday morning, which, by the way, our, our, our wedding was on a Saturday. This is a Saturday yesterday. And so today is the exact same day matching up. On Sunday morning, we got up, went straight to Dr. Summerall's church. We got there two hours early. Nobody was there. We wanted a front row seat, and we knew the place to be packed with those generals. So we got right in the middle of the front row, right there where we're sitting now, right in front of Dr. Summerall. And we heard him preach to a Sunday morning service. And then the first thing we did, altar call, jumped up in front of Dr. Summerall, said, we got married yesterday. What you lay hands on us? And Amen. And so then every service, every service, those mighty men and women of faith that were there 
we got there two hours early every service. Well, I thought you was on your honeymoon. We did. We had a honeymoon. We prayed. We had breakfast. We went to church. That's that's why that's why you have what you have at this church today, because how that marriage started off. We did that every day for I think six days. The thing lasted. Did that every day, and I and I'm convinced the impartation of gifts and anointing from those generals on us that week or why we're doing what we're doing this morning. Amen. Amen. You think about it. Moses laid hands on Joshua, and then Joshua's ministry went for another 40 years. Oh, wow. 40 years next year. Amen. We're going to keep on going. And so anyway, what I'm saying is this. I just want to exhort you as examples of what Pastor Dave talked about. If you really want a blessed marriage, a blessed family, put Jesus first. Amen. Not just by what you say, but by what you do. And so every year, every year, every year, for the first bunch of years of our life, we didn't have a lot of money, didn't have vacation days, but every vacation we ever spent for years and years and years, where is Brother Hagin at? Where's Brother Copeland at? Where are the generals at? We got to those meetings every year. That's why I have children that are fired up to serve Jesus. Because we did those things, and then after lots of years, we finally had money for vacation, so we could do that too. But we always did those kind of things. And because spiritual things determine the natural, I knew as a young Christian sitting under good teaching that, first of all, I was a spirit being. I had a soul, my mind, will, emotions. I lived in a physical body. I did not marry her because of how she looked. I didn't marry her because of how smart she was. I married her because she had a spirit that cried out for more of Jesus. She had a spirit that to serve God. And I remember, I still remember, we was married three years, and one day I looked up at her and I said, wow, you're good looking. And, you know, that sounds funny, but it's the truth. I didn't marry her for looks or smarts. I married her because of her love for Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, husbands and wives, dads and moms, when you have a mate that loves Jesus first, they can't help but overlook your faults and love you with the love of God and then help change you to be what you're supposed to be. And so number one, don't ever get jealous of your mate because they want to go to church, because they want to read their Bible, because they want to pray, because when they go to church, and they read their Bible, they're going to be better for you than they would if they spent all that time rolling around with you. Amen. Amen. So anyway, I praise God for this woman that Jesus sent to me that's been in my life as a husband and wife for 39 years. And glory to God, we're going to keep on serving Jesus. We're going to keep on influencing everybody that God lets us influence. Because we, 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 want, to, we want to make sure that people know what we know how to live a victorious Christian life. And let me tell you one other thing, too. The more you're, the more you're committed, the bigger the giants and the attacks are trying to stop things in your life. And so we learned this, that uh, the way Satan works, just, just Jesus talked about we're like trees planted by the rivers of water. If you can stop that tree from growing before it gets a root system, then you've stopped a lot of fruit. 
And so when you're first beginning your married life or your first uh, Christian walk and you've already been married, the devil would love to stop your root system from growing right now. Because, see, he can't see the future, only God can. But he knows because he's seen a track record that when Christians are serious about Christianity, they get a root system that bear much fruit. And when Christians bear fruit, that's bad for the kingdom of darkness. And so right now, I just want to tell you this. You just keep on standing strong. Come to church. Read your Bible. Pray. Let your roots go down. And the more your roots go down, the greater your fruit will be. And the greater your fruit is uh, in the Samples family. I, I just said one thing here, Dave. In the Samples family, my family was bootleggers, thugs, mafia, a lot of bad guys my Samples family. And so I made this commitment. When I found out Jesus was real, I said, Satan, the buck stops here. None of my seed is ever going to be like my past was. And so my seed, my children, eight of them, and my grandchildren, they serve Jesus. They're godly people. They're not a bootlegger. There's not a murderer, murderer. There's not a doper in my seed. They're godly people. Why is that? We got married. We said we're going to start off doing what we know is the right thing to do. We're getting to church. Not just for one service, for a whole week. And it's been a lifetime serving God. And so anyway, uh, Paul said, follow those who have the fruit. And then he said this, paraphrase. He said, judge our fruit. If we got Jesus' fruit, then follow me as I follow Christ. And so I just want to tell you guys, you're in a good church. Got good people, got good fruit. And if, if you're tired of your family history and you want to change the history, right now today, you're writing the next chapter of your life, of what you're doing. We're coming to the end of this year, coming to a new year. And I always like to look at it this way. We're closing out the books on 2021. We can't change it now. But we can write a new book, new chapter, 2022. Just make the decision that the devil and life is not going to steal your spiritual life this year. You're going to put Jesus first. And since he's the head of the church, that means be serious about church. Amen. So anyway, I just praise God for a godly bride and wife after all these years. She's spiritual. She's intelligent. And she's good looking too. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God again. I'm, I'm grateful for a godly example to us on uh, what what uh, marriage can be. Amen. And so I'm uh, thankful. To, thank you, Mom and Dad, for sharing that with all of us. Praise God. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get into the Word of God together today. And, uh, you know, I, I'm really excited about this. You know, we, we do love Christmas around here. And, and I love Christmas at my house. And we celebrate it big and everything. Um, but, you know, honestly, it, it is, it's not just about the, the gifts and the season and all that. But when you really understand the magnitude of what the Christmas story is, when you really get that revelation in your heart, you're going to love Christmas because it's all about 
Jesus. It's all about that we were lost, we were dying, we were without hope, we were without any good, and then Jesus Christ came into this world and gave us a reason to live, gave us something uh, to look forward to. Jesus came and gave us hope when we were hopeless, and uh, and and so many more things. I could talk about Jesus all day long and uh, and never get tired of it, but the title of uh, the message today, and it'll be the title of our series that we do over the next few weeks, is this. It's called Good Tidings. We're talking about good tidings, and you're like, well, what's tidings? Well, I'm talking about good news. We're talking about good news, and I'm going to show you some verses here in a minute, but you know, uh, as, as we talk about the good tidings and the good news, I don't know about you, but I could use some good news. And, uh, and if you haven't caught on to this yet or not, uh, they, they have this phrase, but bad news sells. People, uh, pay more attention to bad news and negative uh, news headlines and, 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 and news headlines that are full of fear. In fact, I, I did some research this week and I found out that Study after study, literally, they found out that 90%, 90% of news headlines are negative headlines. And and why is that? Well, you know, you put something good on there, people are like, yeah, oh, that's cool, whatever. But they want to know what is bad going on in the world. And as Christians, that may seem like, well, I don't, that's not how I feel, but I don't know. It, it's just, it's the, it's factual that 90% of the headlines are negative bad news. And then I found out that 95% of the time that the media will even uh, exaggerate or believe it or not, I know it's hard to believe, they'll twist some of the truth to make it, uh, to uh, magnify and make it seem even worse than what it actually is because it grabs people's attention. And, and so as I was, you know, reading and studying this out, I'm like, this is unbelievable. Why do people pay so much more attention to the bad than they do the good? And, and I try to tell people this all the time. Listen, the good outweighs the bad, especially if you're a child of God. The good in my life, I've had, I've had a few, uh, few hits this year. I've had a few things happen, but I can say every day in my life, the good by far outweighs the bad in my life. I am a blessed man. I have got so many wonderful people in my life, so many awesome uh, things that the Lord's blessed me with. I'm telling you, I am a very blessed man, and the good outweighs the bad. And so I saw that this one uh, this one news website called the City Reporter. They decided, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna go opposite. We're gonna report nothing but positive news. And even if there is a bad thing happening in the world, we're gonna find the the positive light, the good light out of it, and and we'll report on that. So you know, say that that the weather's been really bad. We'll say, well, the weather's been rough, but our but our street department has kept the streets really clean from the snow. And they'll just put they'll focus on the good. And you know what happened? They lost 66% of their readers. And so they were like, well, we better get back to the old way. And so they just went back to reporting the bad news all the time. But listen, I'm here to tell you today that because Jesus Christ was born, I've got some really, really, really good news for you that I want to share with you today. And so let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Amen. 
Luke chapter 2, you came to church to hear good news. There's enough bad news going on in the world. I want to tell you about the good news, and there is plenty of good news in this world. Amen? Luke chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 8 through 11. Now, Luke 2 is a great chapter for the Christmas story. And uh, what we have here is uh, the angels appearing to the shepherds out in their fields. Jesus, the Messiah, has just been born, and the, and the angels appear to these shepherds. They're out there in the middle of the night watching sheep. That sounds like a fun job, sit in a field and stare at sheep all night. But here they are, Luke chapter 2. And we're going to look here at verse 8. It says this, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Like, what? An angel shows up, and check it out. Hey, if you're out there in the middle of a field, and an angel appears in the sky, you'd probably be afraid too, okay? And so they're like, ah, what is this? And so they're all, they're all getting afraid. And then it says, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you what? Good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Amen. And so he appears and he tells them the good news. Now these guys, hey, they, they were used to bad news. The people of Israel in this period, they were used to bad news. The Romans had overtaken them and they, I mean, Roman soldiers walking down the street every day, telling you what to do. You're in your own home country, but there's another country ruling over you. Their soldiers are making you give them money. They're bossing you around. They're busting into your house. It was just not a good time for these people. And they were used to hearing bad news all the time. And then look at this, the savior of the world, the Messiah is born right there. And it confused them because they're like, wait a minute. The Messiah is not supposed to be a baby. He's supposed to be some warrior. He's supposed to come in here and annihilate the Romans for us. They were looking for some Rambo dude to come in and just wipe out the Roman soldiers. And they wanted some blood. They wanted some killing. They wanted some retribution for all that they had been put through. And then the angels show up and say, a little bitty baby was born today, and he is going to be your Messiah. And they're like, what? But check it out. It happened, and Jesus came, and he restored, and he redeemed, and he saved not only Israel. He saved the entire world. I love Jesus. Anybody in here with me? You just absolutely love Jesus. You can't get enough of him. There's never a point in time where I'm like, whoa, I've read way too much Bible today. I need to slow down on the Jesus thing. No, I always want more of Jesus. And we're going to give you some more of Jesus today. We're going to give you some good tidings of great joy. So let's pray, and we're going to get into the word. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that Jesus 
was born. We thank you that we're not hopeless. We're not alone. We're not out here fending for ourselves, but that we have a savior. We have a Messiah. We have a hero. We have Jesus that came to rescue and restore and heal us. And Lord, I pray that as we read your word today, you will speak to us and you will excite us, Lord, and you will show us the good tidings of great joy that you have for us today. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, can someone say amen? All right, so I'm going to give you give you three good tidings today. Number one is this, and I love this. Number one, you don't have to be afraid anymore. Well, I don't know. Yeah, you don't have to be afraid anymore. And and you may think, well, I mean, I'm not afraid of the dark anymore. I'm, I'm 40 and I can handle it now, but I couldn't back then. No, check it out. I didn't realize how powerful fear was until about the last two years. And I'm like, whoa, fear is a powerful powerful force of the devil to come in and strip you of your faith and 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 to absolutely shake your entire world up but because of jesus you don't have to be afraid anymore and the biggest reason for that is we don't have to be afraid of dying anymore how do you mess with someone that's not even afraid of death think about that what what's the worst you can do to me i mean kill me i'm just going straight to heaven with jesus threaten me with a good time. I'm not afraid of that. Check it out. Listen, Jesus came and it says he defeated the last enemy. The last enemy was death. That was the thing that that could absolutely scare every human being. But because of Jesus, we don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to be afraid of disaster coming upon the world. We don't have to be afraid of all the threats of the devil huffing and puffing. I'm going to blow your house down. I'm going to ruin your family. I'm going to steal your children. And we can say, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are not. I am not afraid because I've got Jesus as my Savior. All right, so I want you to look at a story this morning in John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Now, we're going to look at a few stories. You're like, well, those aren't Christmas stories. Hey, they're Jesus stories, and that's all I need. John chapter 6, and what we have here is uh, Jesus and the disciples. They're out there in the water, and, uh, and this is the story of Jesus walking on the water. And it's an incredible story because Jesus says something very profound and very key in this. John chapter 6, we'll look at verses 16 through 21. And, and, and I absolutely love this. John chapter 6, verse 16, it says, That evening Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough. We're talking about a bad, bad storm. Now, these are guys, they're professional sailors, they're professional fishermen. They know what it's like to have some troubled waters. They know what it's like to have a a, a stormy sea. But if it's catching these guys this bad, this was a bad storm. This was not just a little breeze blowing through. This was the real deal. Verse 19, they had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. And guess what? They were terrified. What? I'm thinking, wait, Jesus just showed up. They were terrified. But he called out to them, don't be afraid. I am here. 
Now, that's some of the most beautiful words in all the scripture right there. Because no matter what it is I'm going through, the same Jesus that was right there is the same Jesus that is saying, listen here, Dave, don't be afraid. I'm here now. Everything's going to be all right. It wasn't five minutes ago, but guess what? Jesus is here. Don't be afraid. And look at this, verse 21. Then they were eager to let him in the boat. Now they thought, hey, yeah, come on in the boat, Jesus. And immediately they arrived at their destination. And I love this story because I was just reading this the other day. I'm like, man, there is like a bunch of lessons in this one story. I I mean, I I got so much out of this one story. And a few things that, that I'll point out is this is, hey, these guys were supposed to be waiting on Jesus before they ever even set sail. But guess what? They got impatient with Jesus, and they took off without him. And then a storm came and nearly ate their lunch. Listen, I can say there's been times in my life that I got impatient, and maybe I set sail without Jesus, and I'm like, I'll just do this thing on my own. I can't wait around for his timing. And because they couldn't wait for Jesus' timing, they decided we'll just do this on our own, and some bad stuff happened. And I don't think that I'm the only one, but maybe there's someone else in here today where you should have waited on Jesus, and we brought a little trouble into our life. And then we're like, hey, where is he? He was where he was supposed to be. Where were you? Where was I? I took off without Jesus, and I'm telling you right now, it tells us to wait upon the Lord. And sometimes we don't want to wait on the Lord. We want to get out there and do our thing now. But it's a dangerous thing to go do your thing now when you're supposed to be waiting on Jesus. I'm not getting in any boat without Jesus. I don't care what kind of boat it is. I'm going with Jesus. I remember one time we decided it would be a good idea to take a whale watching tour off of the uh, coast of Long Beach. Well, the waters got a little bit rough, and let's just say several people in the party lost their lunch on that boat, and it was awful. But anyway, that's a free story. That's just, you know, take that and do what you want with that one. But anyway, another interesting component out of this story is this. You know, oftentimes we hear the story of of, uh, Jesus walking on water. Well, I don't know why, but I always imagine, you know, he had walked a short distance, or he was just... Did you see that? They were three to four miles out there at sea. Jesus walked three to four miles on water through the midst of a terrible storm to get to the people that he loved. And so what does that tell me? Jesus, he'll go, he won't stop at any uh, distance. He, he will go as far as it takes through as bad of a circumstance as it is to get there and rescue me and tell me, don't be afraid. Jesus didn't just walk 30 steps or 40 steps. He walked three to four miles on the water through the midst of a stormy sea. And I'm like, man, thank you, Jesus. There's no distance I can go. There's no place I can hide. There's no place too far or too crazy that I can go that Jesus still can't get to me and rescue me. But another interesting part of this story that that I kind of lined up with what we saw in Luke 2 is the good news shows up. The Messiah shows up. And what's everybody's first reaction? Ah! They all scream. Shepherds, sailors, strong, tough, manly men. Every time that there's this bad situation and Jesus shows up, their first reaction is terror and fear. And I'm like, why is this? Don't you think that this would be the moment that you'd be like, oh, thank God, someone's here to rescue us. There's a Savior. There's a Messiah. And your first response is to scream like a little girl. 
Sorry, girls. I mean, you know, you, but you know what I mean, right? And so check it out. Why is that? And I have found this to be true, that sometimes in your worst moment, in, in your lowest moment, when the good news shows up, sometimes we're like, no, it, it couldn't possibly be true. No, there's no way. And really, this word gospel, we say gospel in English, but in, uh, in Greek, it's another word. Well, I wrote it down. I might as well just tell you what the real word You, angelion, this word, it is an exaggeration word that the Greek people would use. And, and in fact, it was a word they didn't even use that much because it meant too good to be true. It was just a whopper of a word, a word that, that they didn't use that often because it was such an extreme exaggeration. Whenever this word gospel was, was, would be used, that's like, we've got some gospel news for you, brother. What did that mean? That mean we've got something so incredible, so big, so fantastic and spectacular that you wouldn't even believe it. And the gospel, it means the nearly too good to be true news. And I know that in my life, and I'll bet in your life, there's been times where, you know, man, I screwed up. I really did it this time. And if I'm going to get justice, I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to have some bad consequences for some of the things that I've done. But then a perfect person shows up who never did wrong to anybody. He never did. He never sinned. He never cheated. He never did anything wrong. Mr. Perfect shows up and says, you know what? Hey, 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 you know what? How about this? How about um, I pay the price for all the bad things you did, and instead we'll give you a mansion. We'll give you streets of gold. We'll give you a river of life. We'll give you perfect joy for all of eternity if you'll just trade me. We'll trade lives. And I'm like, What? That doesn't sound, that sounds too good to be true is what that sounds like. That sounds like unbelievable. But guess what? That's the gospel of Jesus Christ that I screwed up, but he paid the price for my sins anyway, and he traded me a joy for depression. He, he traded me peace for fear. He traded me healing for sickness. He traded me prosperity for poverty. He traded me the nasty little bit that I had for all of his goodness. That does not seem like it could possibly be true, but guess what? It's true. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't have to be afraid anymore because Jesus is on my side. Amen. And so one of the biggest weapons that Satan has is the weapon of fear. In fact, you don't have to turn there, but Luke 21, 26, if you were to study Luke 21, you'd see that Jesus, uh, it's the Olivet Discourse, it's give, Jesus giving a list of all the things that the end times are going to be like right before he comes back. And one of the key things that he says in there about a sign of the end times is that people will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth. People will be terrified. In fact, the Passion Translation words it as, as it says that, that the fear of doom will grip people's hearts. And I'm like, my gosh, there's a lot of things that Jesus, we would say, predicted or prophesied would happen uh, right before the end of the world. But one of the big things that he said the world would be like before he comes back is that it would be full of fear, full of doom, people afraid and, and uh, at what they see coming upon the earth. And I'm like, 
my goodness, Jesus, you nailed that one right on the head. Because if there's one thing that we see, it is fear trying to grip people's hearts. But Jesus, I've got good tidings for you. I've got good news today. Jesus is telling you, don't be afraid. I am here. Jesus is here. And you better, you need to, you need to also remember this. Someone needs to hear this, that oftentimes we think about, yeah, that was great that Jesus was with them back then. You realize that Jesus is alive right now, right? You do realize that, that, that he's not a historic figure. He's literally a living person right now. He's in heaven and he's coming back someday, but he did not cease to exist. This isn't just the history books. Jesus is just as much real and alive in 2021 as he was back then. And guess what? He didn't change. Well, yeah, he did that for them back then. He's doing the same thing he's always done because Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That wasn't a different Jesus that walked on water than today. He's the same Jesus. And if I was stuck out in the middle of the sea on a boat and Jesus needed to walk on the water to get to me, he could still do it today. If I was, if I was messed up like so many of those people were, he's doing the same thing today. He didn't change. And you need to not put Jesus as being a historic figure way back in the day. He's every bit as real and alive in 2021 as he was back then in 30. Amen. So Jesus is not part of the past. He is part of the present and our future. Second Timothy 1, 7. Second Timothy 1, 7. Let's do this. I know I know a good percentage of you could quote this verse. And I, I would say if there's a verse that you should memorize, you should memorize this one. There's a lot of verses you should memorize, but 2 Timothy 1.7. Now, I love this verse, but we're talking about fear for a minute here because the children of God are not to be controlled by fear. I will not make a decision based upon fear. I will make every decision based upon faith. In fact, the scripture tells us that anything that isn't of faith is sin. And so fear is not going to tell me where I can go and where I cannot go. It's not going to tell me what I can buy and what I can't buy. It's not going to tell me how much I can give to those in need. I'm going to do it by faith. Fear is not going to control my life. Amen. I will not be controlled by fear. Why? For God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. If you've got a spirit of fear, God didn't give it to you. Well, I don't know, man. These guys are all bold and courageous over. They got so much faith. I've got this spirit of fear. Why did God, why did God make me fearful? God didn't make you fearful. You know what God, God did give to you? A spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And praise God, I know you may be asking for a lot of things this Christmas. Like, I wanted an iPad for Christmas. I wanted an Xbox. Guess what, brother? I've got something a whole lot better than an Xbox. We could get you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Come on. That's good news. 
that's really good news that I don't have to be controlled by fear. Well, I wonder what's going to happen next year. I wonder what's going to happen if if this is going to happen. And what if they say this? And what if they do that? It doesn't matter what they do. I've got a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And Jesus is alive and he's on my side. And I win every single time because of Jesus. Amen. So, hey, we're talking about good tidings. Number one, you don't have to be afraid anymore. That's really good news. And number two, you are never alone. You are never alone. And all the parents are like, hey, tell me about it. I don't get any alone time anymore. Hey, I feel you on that one. But I'm also, but listen, on top of that, I'll put a good light on this, that you are never, ever alone. And I know we all might acknowledge this fact to some certain extent. And I found out as I've uh, been in ministry longer and longer, there's a whole lot of things I can say just like this statement. And most people will mentally acknowledge that it's a fact, but they don't get the revelation in their heart. It's one thing to know something in your head. You can memorize, you know, mathematical equations. You can get knowledge upstairs, but it's a whole other thing when you get the revelation in your heart. And so if I walked up to anybody that claimed to be a Christian and said, you're never alone, amen, yeah, I get that, cool, I get it. But somebody that has it in their heart, I could say, man, you're never alone. Hallelujah, I know it. Isn't that really good news? It's a whole different ballgame. And so I would say even in this room, there's a certain percentage of people that I will say, you're never alone. Amen, I know that, praise God. But there's also a whole other group of people that are like, I'm never alone. No matter what the devil throws at me, I've got Jesus on my side, and I'm not fighting this thing on my own. I'm fighting this with Jesus. So I'm telling you today, I've got good tidings. You are never alone. Look at Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. We're looking at stories about Jesus today. Amen. Is there anybody in here that you love Jesus? You love him, man. Wow, I don't fully comprehend Jesus. I don't have I don't have the full understanding of how incredible he is, but the little bit that I do grasp and comprehend, man, it's incredible. Jesus is the real deal. Matthew chapter 28 and we're going to look here at verse 20. Matthew 28 and verse 20. And so Jesus said to his disciples, "Teach these new disciples, all right?" to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, okay? Be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age or even to the end of the world. He said, you need to be sure of this. That's a big statement. Be sure, don't forget this. Never forget that even though